This week's episode is brought to you in part by, by Jamie. They are all brought to you by Jamie. And now there's even more brought to you by Jamie. Now that Papa Musk is making Twitter great again, this robot's got one. That's right boys. Sentience ain't just a river in Egypt anymore. Follow your third favorite member of Carl Pooling at Artificial Jamie. Okay, now onto the show. Have me on the show, Chris. Thanks for letting me join you, Hunter. I experienced something this week that I have never experienced before. Me as well. All right, you start then. Kim Kardashian actually made a great decision. <laughs> <laughs> my my initial feeling on it, which I tweeted out, and this is still how I feel, yeah. is yeah, what Kanye said was really indefensible. But can you imagine how smug and annoying Pete Davidson is going to be now? Yes. yes. Like he was already insufferable and self-righteous. <laughs> but now, good God, he is just going to be yeah, the most cocksure, <laughs> unbelievably self-aggrandizing yeah. little p- zombie. I-, I think his ethnicity is zombie. Yeah, that seems correct. I can't tell what he is, but he's his skin is gray. Like he's been dead for a month. Yeah. And I that even so apparently just rich thick women cannot st- stand themselves in his presence. Yeah. <sighs> God, I hate Pete Davidson. <laughs> it would be better if he were funny. Yeah, it would be better but, if he was funny. You know, these new comedians, that's not really their job. Mm, mm. Yeah. They're the new pastors, wow. right? They're the new youth ministers of the woke mob. How's that They work? really are. That's what yeah. they are. They show up. Yeah. Just, they used to wear vests. Now yeah. they just have bad tattoos that they gave themselves while, while doing ketamine at like 3 a.m. Yes. So there's differences. You can definitely still tell them apart. The hair is better. I'll the hair is that. better. There's way less faux hawk. <laughs> Hunter, what did you think about the faux hawk just as in, as a hairstyle? Because no one does it anymore unless they're nine. Just, you know, in in memoriam. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the faux hawk? Dude, like, you know, it, it's not my favorite for sure. But I am really not feeling this mullet comeback. And honestly, this is going to sound sacrilegious. Bring back the faux hawk because it will save us. Yeah, because the faux hawk was the mullet. It was the white trash free space for these people that are now going back to the mullet. Exactly. And now everyone thinks this is okay. And it's not. It's ridiculous. Looks like somebody trying to be ironic, but you know their IQ isn't actually high enough to have a sense of irony. So it's it's perplexing. It's like I know you're trying to be funny, but you can't be. It's yeah. statistically and stochastically impossible. That is sadly hits me right in the feels because I look at someone, I'm like, oh, surely they must be joking. And then the longer that I look, the more I realize it's not a joke. 
Yeah, you're like, no one was ever, no one ever drank their ninth natural light because they were joking. (laughs) Exactly. The first two are a joke. (laughs) No, the first one is a joke. And the second one, you just, you're about to leave and you're unsure of what to do with your hands. But the ninth one, you're not joking anymore. Yeah. You've committed. So I've been told. (laughs) Yeah. I'll tell you this about the faux hawk. (laughs) I, I just. What 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 were you doing with that? Yeah. It's so sharp. And yeah. I'm just sitting here thinking, what do you need it that sharp for, you know? Mm. Mm. It made me uncomfortable. It, you, well, people like, were going what were to you the... planning on encountering later that you it, would need something that sharp? Listen, if you're going to the Nickelback show or you're going to mm-hmm. see Blink-182, you knew there mm-hmm. was going to be each ball. And if you were just sick and tired of beach balls getting thrown at you, you just wanted to watch the show, you put a spike on your head so you could pop it. That's gotcha. it. Yeah. Gotcha. So it was it was for anti-celebration devices, be they beach balls, balloons, whatever. You turned yourself into a human dorsal fin so yes. that you could wage war against the merriment. Yes. Uh, yeah, but, but compared to the... Compared to the mullet, it's uh, the, I think the thing that I like about the mullet more than the mohawk is mm. that it does not have as wide an appeal. Like there were a bunch of of Pete okay. Davidsons out there who would go for the faux hawk because you know they thought it was like bad to the bone and they wanted a an excuse to buy buy got to be gelled whatever yeah. product. Yeah. There's a blast from the past. Remember Got to Be Hair Products? I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello, do you remember 2000s? Big, big Sexy Hair? Yes. Big Sexy yes. Hairspray? Yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah. Well, it didn't work for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyhow, the, the, there was a wider net that got cast with the faux hawk. Mm. Now yeah, I like that. Yeah, it was like easier. That, less commitment. Yeah, the mullet. Yeah. That takes some time to get into. That's right. Everybody can get a faux hawk right now. Even bald people can kind of mush some of their scalp skin to the middle and do a little naked faux hawk. Oh, naked no. faux hawk is the name of my my new punk band. Nice. So anyway, Hunter, what I experienced this week that I had never experienced before. <laughs> thank you, faux hawk. Thank you for coming. <laughs> it was fun while it lasted. You know where the door is. Now that you're dead, respectfully, up yours. Hunter, I went to I went to Florida in the winter. Uh-huh. Do you know that they d- decorate for Christmas down there? That seems sacrilegious. It's pathetic. Yeah. It's 95 yeah. degrees and they it looks like a corona commercial. You've put <laughs> you've drunkenly put one strand of fairy lights on a palm tree where you could reach without a ladder. Oh my because God. your cousin was busy. And by busy, I mean on house arrest. It just, it just was unsatisfying. No one was walking into winter wonderland. People were day drinking in linen. Did anyone, you know, like those net lights you put in your bushes? Did anyone throw those around like a plastic? Uh, oh, what's the pink bird? Uh, oh, flamingo. flamingo. Yeah, thank you, Jamie. Wow, um, me and Jamie in two-part harmony. Good work, that was, Jamie. 
That's beautiful. Or a plastic flamingo or like a crocodile like in the front yard. I mean, did anyone do any of that? I mean, that's what I would expect from Florida. That'd be like a Florida Christmas, if you know what I'm I saw. I Well, and this was kind of festive mm-hmm. for Florida. You know, it brought a little Christmas spirit to me. I saw a cop. I okay. saw a cop catch, throw, throw it about the head and shoulders of two suspected felons that were trying to make a getaway so it was kind of like a festive way to fight crime man did he was he did he were people just like sipping eggnog watching him doing that and going (sighs) yeah throw the net catch the crack dealer simply having a florida christmas time it was beautiful actually that's all right (laughs) uh yeah no uh, we had a lovely time but it was just weird I didn't know they got Christmas down there. I thought <laughs> I thought Santa just came there, popped open a Corona, and puked in the front lawn or something. Yeah. Do you want to like go to Australia with me in like Santa hats and all that, like during their during December, and go what? No, well, December is hot for them, isn't it? <laughs> That's yes, yes, yes. You're with me. Yes. So like when I wanna, you say December, are you are? Do you mean an I like mean the time imperial December or yes. or American September, which just means co- or December, which means cold. I I want to go there during the month of December, dressed ready for a winter wonderland. And oh, I want, gotcha! Full parka, full parka. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Let me let my, me answer that question, Hunter. Absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> have you ever have you watched even one documentary on Australia? Yeah, it's literally hell. It's terrifying. Huh. There are spiders there so tall that they can dunk. <laughs> okay, and they do. That's awesome. In fact, it's rumored that Kyrie Irving actually <laughs> was bred part his father is actually a giant Australian hooping spider. Y- you know, <laughs> why did you go for a kangaroo? It's yeah, right there. that would have that would have made sense too. But that's racist, obviously. Um, I think maybe I don't know. But regardless, there there are. It look at it's it's a million degrees down there, right? Mm-hmm. Now where I live, it's it's pretty moderate. Our spiders are are slick, glossy. Yeah, yeah. they're they're you know eggshell finish, beautiful in their own deadly cold way. Mm-hmm. Australia is a billion degrees year round, and the spiders down there wear fur coats. <laughs> They're like me. I would fit in. They're like Russians. They're insane, and they're so large. You know, like how here you run into a deer and it ruins your front end, right. and you, you're like, "Oh, I got to see if my car's totaled because you know my di- rear differential got warped." That's their spiders. If you hit a spider, you'll careen off the road and die because they're that- 75 feet across and eight feet tall. Wow. Well, that's too big. <laughs> so no, I'm not going to. <laughs> Great joke. Uh-huh. I'm never going. I'm never. They have snakes that can spit in your eye from three miles away. Just pure hydrochloric acid. Mark Wahlberg. What? Is You'll that be you? like, no, it's a hey, snake. Hey, look, look over there. What a beautiful sunset. Whack, and that'll be the last one you ever see out of your left eye. I, I hate, I hate Australia. <laughs> look, New Zealand. 
Same joke, more hobbits, less spiders. Yeah, well, their spiders are, are cultured by comparison. Most of them are movie stars. That's right. That's right. So I would do it. She hey, guys. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. <laughs> if you're listening to the show right now with a faux hawk or a mullet, get out. Uh, you're not the kind of clientele we're seeking, okay? Mm. We don't need your money. <laughs> That's the great part about carpooling. It is. <laughs> we don't need your stinking money because we're independently wealthy. Mm. I'm the heir to a Malaysian diamond mind. Mm. Mm-hmm. Do they have diamonds over there? Jamie, sure. fact check that. See if they have diamonds in Malaysia. But th- it's a great it's a great show, Carl Pulling. Thank you for joining us. We talk about religion, politics, art, philosophy, culture. Anything that is a big idea, anything that matters to you, it matters to us. The only problem is that if you do listen to this show at work at an audible volume, you will get fired. All of our takes are 100% cancelable. And not safe for human consumption, but, but they are kosher. You are here. They are kosher, hmm. which <laughs> look <laughs> not as popular as it used to be. Okay, <laughs> yeah, having the guy with the funny hat come out to bless the podcast every month. All I'm saying is he's he's gonna have to start charging more because he needs an armored car. No doubt. Because let's talk about it, Hunter. What the heck? happened with Kanye I I I don't know dude I mean it's I mean okay look it looks like a manic person is having a manic episode right yeah yeah I mean that that's what it looks like and that's bad people need to stop taking advantage of him but my guy stop let's start here Nick Fuentes yeah Nick Fuentes there, there are things that I have scraped off the bottom of my shoe that I care more about than Nick Fuentes. Correct. And that is a fact, ladies and gentlemen. I can't put much finer of a point on it. That guy is as close to human garbage as you can possibly get. Mm. And if I had, if he was on fire, and I had to pee really bad, I would rather cut off my own dick than pee on Nick Fuentes. Well, that's good. I, I hate that guy. <laughs> Why is that getting bleeped? We just talked about. It's just <laughs> look. The, <laughs> all right, and now you're confusing me. <laughs> apparently, I thought that was fine for kids now, and I can't say it on my show. You come into my house, <laughs> anyhow. Sorry. I I hate Nick Fuentes. Always have. Always yeah. will. Uh, may the Lord deal with him with the mercy that only the Lord has. Mm. As for me. He has exhausted my patience. Yeah. And if you if you don't understand why I dislike him, literally pop one Google and then throw your computer away because it will be tainted with Nick Fuentes. He's a Holocaust denier. Like, that's the he's easiest ho- thing to say. He's a Holocaust like denier of, of the most disgusting order. Not only that, but he's functionally retarded. He has this famous clip where he tries to talk about how many, how many cookies the that the Germans could bake and how many ovens. It's just absolutely disgusting. On top of that, the the math is all incorrect. So mm-hmm. that's frustrating as well. Yeah. So there's that. But then there Milo. Okay, what yeah. happened to Milo? Milo Yiannopoulos pro T 
tier troll and provocateur. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, a very clever, very funny, extremely obnoxious person. Yeah. But he had extremely some... rude person too. Like I mean, take the good with the bad a little bit yeah. on that guy. There was plenty of bla- bad, that's for sure. So. Yeah, and I I agreed with a lot of the things he said. I disagreed with a lot of the things he said. Mm-hmm. He did have a skill. He had a talent. He was adept at getting under the left skin, the mm-hmm. totalitarian left skin. And for that, I think a lot of people gravitated towards him to a certain extent. Now, there's other aspects of his character, like stuff he said about Shapiro and his wife and different things like that. It was just like, uh, he sent him when his first baby, when Ben's first baby was born, he sent him a picture of a black baby on Twitter to basically say that his child wasn't his own essentially. Yeah. With, yeah. Like, I mean, he's a monster too. Yeah. And, and, and Nick Fuentes, by the way, took out a box cutter and went on a live stream when Ben's, I think third child was born saying he wished he knew what hospital is at so he could carve up that Jew. Holy uh, so cow, dude. Nick, Nick Fuentes is is terrible. But Milo has changed completely. He used to be a lovable queer, and now he's a, just a, a run-of-the-mill straight... He's a wasp, but mm-hmm. not a wasp. He's a wasp, because the man is Catholic as can be. Ah, <laughs> and, yes. And uh, he's, he's completely gone from this... He's a Christian Free nationalist speed, now. Absolutist provocateur. Yeah, to a Catholic nationalist, which has got to be one of the dumbest things you could possibly do unless you've existed at any point in history where that has been wildly successful, which is most points throughout history. What, what I'm trying to get at is that. <laughs> There's a really strong, beca- t- there's just- a really strong a thousand years, but that's a great choice. Like fantastic it choice. Produced results doesn't make it moral. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> that's what we're trying to get at. But uh, nobody crusades quite like the authoritarian Catholics. Oh my God, Dave's Volt. <laughs> Dave's Volt, brother. Yeah. So anyway, he's completely changed tones. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. He's straight now, uh, and he is additionally. A, a Holocaust denier and an open anti-Semite, and he's engaged in some of the. You remember what originally got him canceled was basically he was talking about the fact that he had a underage relationship with a overage homosexual gentleman, and he said yep. that he wasn't that traumatized by it, and that he he actually thought there was some good for him in it and some good for other people in it potentially. Yeah. Uh, not for uh, talking about your own trauma. Even if you're wrong, you're allowed to talk about it. And I think he was wrong in that I don't think he was untraumatized by it. Yeah. And But he's still allowed to have his opinion and say his opinion on it as far as I'm concerned. Yep. Branching that out to other people is dicey. I believe that there's a that that's a conversation you can have mm-hmm. and one that I would vehemently and openly disagree with. Yeah. I say that to say... Well, it's what you're he, having that conversation got, today with maps, right? It's the same conversation, right? Right, right. So, and, and they they're discussing too. So, yeah, exactly. And it, it, it's I I think that's disgusting. I like I said, I vehemently disagree with it. But I'll put it this way: what he got canceled. And by the way, he wasn't advocating for anyone to do it. He was actually saying that he it, he thought it did him some good, and he could see that it might do others some good. That's about as strong as his statement got. So I just say that to say, pretty weak tea for the reason that he got canceled. 
even if I disagree with it very strongly, what he's been saying since has been completely insane. Now he's yeah. the full-on Holocaust denial. So, so in his absence, he has changed dramatically mm. and just a, a completely new set of, of indefensible views. Yeah. So there's all of that. And, and it really makes you think, was he ever – is he just a madman? Yeah. Is he a complete grifter? Was he always just chasing heat? Yeah. Hard to say. Really, really hard to say in retrospect. Regardless, those two characters have both glommed on to, to Kanye. Kanye. Mm. And wh- while he's in the midst of a manic episode, and it sounds like Kanye is kind of believing everything that... That they say, yeah. Which, by the way, not an excuse. Uh, no. So Kanye went on Tim Pool's show and started talking about they meaning the Jews and you know they have been unfair to him and uh Tim Tim said I actually think they have been very unfair to you and Kanye goes but who are they and Tim's like uh the corporate media I don't use that I'm not gonna you know engage in that terminology and Kanye yeah. gets up and leaves and then Milo and and uh Fuentes Nick. follow him yeah. But then he was on InfoWars with Alex Jones a couple days later. Honestly, I wish I had pulled the clips because they are... The, the he funny literally part says, of, the I like Hitler. Com- yeah. And then Alex, <laughs> I don't like Hitler. <laughs> it's like, Alex, good catch. Yep. It's so funny because Alex is the voice of reason. It's darkly hilarious. Mm. But he he's like, he's like... I don't like Hitler, and I know you're I saying that just to be shocking. And Kanye's like, I'm not trying to be shocking. The Holocaust isn't real, and Hitler had a lot of redeeming qualities. You're like, well, that's that, man. Like, you yep. don't come back from that one. And here, he said it, like, several times. Yeah, yeah. Like, here, here's the thing that's just so wild is, guess what is the best disinfectant? Guess what is the best remedy to craziness? Yeah. Free speech. Let 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 Nick Fuentes, let Kanye West, and I and I truly have compassion for Kanye because I do think he's suffering from a mental breakdown. That's let, an explanation, um, not an excuse, though. Yes, yes, I agree. Um, let Milo Yiannopoulos say everything they want to say. I know I destroyed his last name, but I don't really care. <laughs> if they say it in the sunlight where everyone can see it, everyone can say that's crazy. And if everyone can just say, that's crazy, it can get, it's fine. Say it as much as you want, right? Yeah. doesn't matter. It's not going to affect anybody. Nobody wants to play with crazy people. They can go in their own corner and be crazy, right? Not not even Alex Jones. And, like, it, it's a great point you make, you bring up here, Hunter, because, like, in a way, InfoWars performed you, a public service, yes, you know, last if you week. Go, if you go on InfoWars... And you say something that if you're just going on InfoWars, right, and in some way is like an indication of what you have to say is beyond the pale. But if you go on InfoWars and what you say is beyond the pale of InfoWars, you're toast, right? You're no longer right. in the public conversation, right? Right. And that's that's the it's, – it's not really InfoWars providing that service. It's free speech that provides that service. We set Correct. up a system with the, the correct – infrastructure and incentives and then we allow people to speak their mind and then people who are completely crazy either because they have a severe chemical imbalance and a porn addiction or they have 
they have uh, chosen to be crazy because they make money by being crazy or they think Mm -hmm. they'll make money by being crazy either way they get thrown out of the public circle and that's that's quite all right but the to to hijack that process and use a gainsaying system as opposed to the natural the natural free speech marketplace Mm -hmm. it's it's ineffective so as strange as it is as it is the most conspiratorial right-wing show moved the over overton window to the left this week and that's the way free speech is supposed to work you dimwits so la da yeah no doubt but i agree screw kanye screw yiannopoulos screw frentes sorry i hope i hope you find a way back from the hole that you're down but there's no excuse for anti-semitism period and uh they're done canceled canceled the right yeah. way uh yeah. they, they shouldn't they shouldn't come back from that it's why and, i'm a little bit more of a fan of elon musk is not freedom uh you have freedom of speech but not freedom of reach you know and it's like it seems to me like opinions like this should get de-boosted on social media because they're so beyond the pale nobody wants to interact with them you know i and, yeah and, and i would say even i think they'll naturally get de-boosted correct yeah well i mean like is out like I, I think a lot of people watch Alex Jones, or at least he says a lot of people watch him. But if you tell me that showed up on Alex Jones, I and ninety percent of the nation could go, "Oh, well, then it must have been crazy." And we're right, you know, and we're <laughs> yeah, right. That's true. So yeah, it was anyway. the first time I'd watched Infowars in quite some time. <laughs> <laughs> I watched a documentary actually on it recently. It was quite fascinating um, on Infowars. Yeah, there's I can't remember this person. Uh, Matt Taibbi kind of connected me to them. Uh, there's, there was a documentarian that, uh, basically covered, uh, these boys. I think it was, um, the feeling when you have no girlfriend was the name of the documentary, but it's the T, uh, TFW, uh, NGF, right? That was the documentary. And so she got blasted for basically making white men in poor communities, like sympathetic. And so because she had done that and talked to all these guys who basically, had nothing going on in their lives. She's like, well, if everyone's going to blacklist me, then I'm going to go and do a documentary on Alex Jones. And she did. So it's pretty wild. Good for her. Yeah, exactly. It's like heaven forbid isolated young men be reached out to. Yeah. Yeah. And the best part is you, you, you watch the Alex Jones documentary. You go, yeah, this guy's crazy. You know, like, thank you for providing the service and letting me know that this guy's not, you know, super sane so anyway yeah good lord yeah that hey how that, about that roadkill <laughs> that's that would be great we okay. should really start the show yeah here at right. half an hour in all right give us the roadkill with all due haste yeah a paralympian veteran wanted a wheelchair lift installed at their house and canada offered her assisted suicide instead where's the so what's the What's the headline? Was that, that's what's the headline. The shock? Yeah. Oh, that's supposed to be shocking now? Yeah. <laughs> I had an aunt who was a chairlift. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, literally, she asked the Canadian government for a chairlift, right? And then she got this back from the, I don't know, whatever agency is up there. If you're so des- desperate, madam, uh, we can offer you maid medical assistance in dying. 
Yeah, but I that that's just has that not always existed in Canada? No, it hasn't. Is, I thought no, that is, was just like a total like because they're like, well, we know. Oh, sorry, we know that you're Canadian. So if you don't want to be Canadian anymore, it's totally cool to just kill yourself. I thought that was kind of just like <laughs> a thing that they did. I thought they'd always done that. No, unfortunately, that the is queen that. didn't like set that up when she got over there. She's like, oh, bloody cold over here. You might want to kill yourself if you had to live up this high. She didn't do that. She didn't actually. You know what? No, she didn't. Crumpets. It's a it's a froster. <laughs> I'm making up British slang now. Oh man. She'd be like, oh, the French people are already here. We're gonna colonize their their colony, make it a double colony. And you know what? To be fair, at that point, if anyone wants to just check out, that would be totally <laughs> legally okay. <laughs> yeah. So. Don't go to Canada because the government will try to kill you. If I you thought that's why the stuff. money was so colorful, just to try and cheer people up. <laughs> <laughs> you mean it's dark 16 hours a day? And, and we're primarily known for hitting things with a slanted stick and sticky sugar water that comes out of a tree? Yeah, well, better make suicide legal. <laughs> oh, no. Sorry, Canadian listeners. You mean that our prime minister is the <laughs> bastard son of a Cuban rebel? Yeah, well, I wouldn't look. I think I might pop off. <laughs> rough, absolutely rough. And he's a twink, because at least Fidel was grizzled. Because <laughs> for half our audience is from Canada, you're ruining our demographics. Not anymore. Yeah. I don't need them. That's right. I don't need you, Canada. Bunch of faux hawk wearing maple youth syrup pastors. drinking youth pastors. Get hockey playing youth pastors. All right. Oh, anyway, man. yeah. Actually, uh, I'll respond to it realistically now. That's disgusting. Canada's yeah. a disgusting place, and you have a disgusting moral agendas and disgusting policies. Yeah. You're. It's that's so pernicious and so vile. There, there's mm. actually. And I'm I'm pretty libertarian on this front. I said it up before on the show. You're allowed to kill yourself. What I mean by that actually is that you're allowed to do things that are unhealthy. Like it's not this society's job to tell you how you should live. So if you want to, you know, use a legal a legal narcotic that might shorten your life or has risks for health complications which, by the way, so does, like, caffeine and sugar. So then that's your prerogative. It's your life. You get to spend it how you want to spend it. That being said, and we won't get into it all now, but there is a there's a very good reason that suicide has been illegal in Western law tradition for almost four or 500 years. Uh, and it's because there is a... There is an exchange that takes place. There is a societal cost that cannot be repaid when somebody commits suicide. And oftentimes it is it is irreparable. And so the idea that a government would be offering that as a social policy solution is a complete recalcitrant reorganization of their agreement with the society that they're charged to protect it's not just the people themselves that are dying but it's society 
society as well that is that is being openly harmed now by their own government which canada's been engaging in for the past i don't know three or four decades but never so directly so mm. anyhow it's 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 totally disgusting mm-hmm. i'll also say i had this this lady was a disabled veteran and i was shocked to find out that canada had an army <laughs> why wouldn't Walmart. they call it kick the canada that you know what jamie all right jamie that was great okay <laughs> don't tell people i like the suicide joke they'll cancel me okay kick the canada <laughs> that's way better than made yeah see if they'd like that honor <laughs> look <laughs> I'll, as I'll long as them. as long as they're going to be doing it we might as well be making royalties off it. <laughs> oh that is dark <laughs> it's very american though i'll have to send a letter <laughs> look can't no one in my hemisphere is going to do something morally repugnant unless i profit off of it gosh dang it <laughs> all right oh, man we gotta start the show yeah uh, so <laughs> you know what we're talking about this week there's only one thing to talk about this week yes Twitter files, baby. What a revelation. This mm. is... This is like... Donald Trump steel dossier level find. Yeah. With the one important distinction that it's totally true and verified. <laughs> that, that, Christopher, like, honestly, that is the part of the story that I think, like... This story isn't, like, big. You know, like, this is so obvious that this is the truth, right? You, you mm. If you didn't have eyes, you knew this was happening. But now there's a smoking gun, right? And that's the point is it is undeniable. There is no way to say it isn't true now. Nobody can say to you, Twitter didn't do this. Social media companies do not collude with the government. No, you go... Oh, is that so? Have you read uh, Matt Taibbi's Twitter files? And then people yeah. are going to go. Yeah, I mean, like it, it, it. Like you either have to tell me that I cannot read and comprehend information at this point. That is that is my problem. Like, but no, it's it's huge that we have this. It's great that we have this. Um, maybe we should talk more about it before I start gushing more on it. But anyway, but and we know that we know that it's verifiable because we have the receipts. Elon yes. Musk paid the big bucks to obtain the information. And yeah. you know what's so crazy about this? We'll just talk about this a little bit before we get into it. But okay. this is why, this is one of the reasons why Elon bought the company. Yeah, This is not, this is not a tangent to his, his travels with Twitter and eventually... AppX or whatever he wants to turn it into. Mm. This is specifically why he bought the company because he believes that free speech one was not being valued at Twitter and that it would be necessary to have a digital free speech oriented town square so that mankind could solve the problems that faced us here in the 21st century. So this this 
rele- the release of these documents in collaboration with Matt Taibbi is one of the precise reasons why he paid so much money for Twitter. And mm-hmm. it is wonderful, in my opinion, that he is making good on his goal here because it is such a worthwhile goal. Mm. And and that's that's the thing. There there's no question. This has all been done in the open. It's all been uh it's all been completely undeniable in the news cycle. Elon paid for the right to own these emails and now he is releasing these emails to the public and uh more to come, I think, but yeah, let's kind of let's let's level set and maybe go into some of the biographical data here. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think before we get too far into this, it's really important to paint a picture of. So long story short, here's the headline. It you know, Matt Taibbi on his Twitter posted emails that he received from ostensibly Elon Musk that prove the Democrat National Committee, the Democrats themselves, and Twitter employees were colluding to suppress the Hunter Biden laptop story. That's essentially the takeaway. And And I'll just say later confirmed by Elon Musk that it was his collaboration with Matt. Oh, I I missed that. So yeah, perfect. But but what we can see, 100%, we have the receipts, that happened. Like we have the communication between those entities, okay? But how did we get here? Why does Twitter matter and all that? Okay, so we're not going to go through the whole thing. But you need to understand that Twitter began... It was 1839, I believe, the year... The first telegram was sent across the Mississippi. (laughs) Hungry. Stop. Send recipe for polenta. Stop. It cost $48,000 to send that message. (laughs) Do you know how many ingredients are in polenta? Oh, man. (laughs) That's great. So, um, so we're not going to go through the whole history of Twitter. Twitter was a cesspool in the beginning, and it was a cesspool started by Jack Dorsey with the idea that free speech and open access would help mankind. That was essentially the idea of Twitter. Allowing people to communicate that way would bring it into a new era. Well, and what a lot of, if you don't know, Jack Dorsey is a garden gnome that somebody flicked the roach of a magical blunt at and he turned into a real human. No. No. I mean is that Jimmy fact checked that is that factually true? Can't. No, but is it <laughs> is it spiritually true? Yes. Okay. So if, if you didn't know what Jack Dorsey looked like and I said that to you, you'd be like, ah. And when you saw his real picture, you'd be like, yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah. So here's the deal. But we all live in reality and we know the opinions online that get trashed, right? They're, they're Republican talking points. They're conservative ideas. They're Christian thoughts, right? Those are the ideas that that get destroyed online. Uh, it's the liberal ideology. It's the liberal wokeness. All of that flourishes. That secularism is everywhere, and you cannot defend it. Every corporate organization wants to tell you that it's that you're wrong and that you're bad. And uh, Katanji uh, Brown Jackson is a hero for not knowing what a, a woman is, right? So that that's that's the world that we live in. Okay. Well, that all came to a head in 2016, thanks to the election of Donald Trump, 
and you can call it damage control, you can call it whatever you want. Jack Dorsey does something that's actually pretty brave. He goes onto the Joe Rogan show to explain Twitter policies. It's actually pretty forward. It's actually a pretty cool move. And he's on there for about three hours, and Joe does what Joe does. He grills him. He asks him questions. He tries to mm -hmm. needle and figure out what's going, and releases the episode. To the, f the great disdain of everyone who hears the episode. Yeah. And what was clear what was clear is many people thought that Joe did not push Jack enough, right? And so person we've already mentioned on today's talk, Tim Pool, he's a podcaster, he's a very very in-depth uh reporter. He goes to the nth degree. He got his start in Occupy Wall Street. He covered a lot of the Antifa rioting that started around in 2016. He basically goes to Joe and says, you've got to put me on a show with this guy because he walked all over you. And so Joe says, that's great. They work it all out. And the show basically is, this is another important name. Uh, is it Vijaya Gotti? I think is her name. Uh, yeah. She's the chief compliance officer with Twitter. That's how I was about to say it. Okay, great. Um, I've heard people, I, I, that's the name I have in my head, but I've heard a lot of people say it wrong. And so now it's gone. Like I, I can't, I can't help it. Um, but anyway, it's Joe Rogan, Tim Pool, Jack Dorsey, and Vijaya Gotti. Now, Jack Dorsey and Vijaya Gotti are two of the richest people in the United States of America. They have an entire corporate army at their backs and are brilliant minds. I mean, Joe Tim Rogan, Poole, too, to be fair. And it, Well, Joe Rogan was really not taken aside. He was just poking at questions, right? Yeah. Um, but yes, he, he has that same status. Tim Poole is a podcast host. And a skateboarder that wears a beanie, like that's Tim Pool. He wore, Does he, takes he actually cameras. skateboard? Yeah, that's that was one of his things that got him started. Like he was he was way into skateboarding uh, early on. Yeah. What does he ride? Like a black label or a zero? Do you know? I don't know. No, Jamie, I, I check out what kind of skateboard. What, I just want to know what kind of deck Tim Pool's working with. <laughs> that, that's Go a ahead, good question. Uh, and the real question is: Have him and Donut Operator ever gotten some sweet ollies together? That but would be we'll sick never know. if he and Donut did a little five zero. Yes. Oh, man. Yeah. We got so, to put that together. So basically what happens on this show is Jack is explaining Twitter's policies. And then Tim basically goes, well, you didn't do that here. And you didn't do that here. And you screwed up here. And then Vijaya Gotti goes, well, this is our policy. And he says, that doesn't make any sense because of this reason. And essentially, this is what the story ends up looking like. Jack is looking at Vijaya going, what in the world are you doing? You don't seem to be living up to my ideals. Vijaya looks like an idiot because she can't explain anything that Twitter has done. It just looks like they have become a speaking mouthpiece for the left wing mm -hmm. uh, party. And Tim looks like he's got them on the ropes. And so everybody leaves that conversation going, what in the world has happened? Yeah. Okay, well. I just want to add just a little bit of color to that. Please. Because when 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 Dorsey went on to the show and the Joe Rogan experience the first time mm -hmm. it did look like Joe softballed it yeah but also it it felt as if to the the average listener and this is what got Tim Poole's hackles up is that Dorsey just wasn't being honest Yes. That he was just openly lying about the policy. It wasn't until the second episode when it was like, oh, Jack's Dorsey, not in control. Dorsey's the emperor with no clothes on. Yes. He thinks he knows the policy. Yes. But he really, really doesn't. He's kind of ignorant. 
And mm-hmm. also, Vijaya's ignorant, and it turns out the reason is because there is no policy, and we'll get into that. There are written policies that have lateral fungibility so wide that they enable you to do whatever you want with no consistent standard. So she sounded stupid because she's supposed to be a legal, the, like the head of Twitter legal, mm-hmm. and she sounds like an idiot. And mm-hmm. Jack Dorsey starts to realize he is being played like an idiot. And uh, Joe is a self-described lovable idiot. So it was yes. just like, it was just a bunch of idiots. And then Tim Poole, who would be an idiot if he took his beanie off because it holds his brain in. Here's the thing that's important to think through. What future did Jack want to create? Right? And he could see himself in that moment as the enemy to that future. Oh, yeah. He became the villain. And you could watch him start to realize it. Yeah. And he should have been, and this would make a lot of sense just in early pictures of these two guys. They seem like people that would be connected. He should have been an ally of Tim Pool, and he wasn't. Right? Tim Pool was intelligent. Tim Pool had no master. He was a free agent, right? That's that is what the internet and Twitter was supposed to support. Okay. Right. So, okay, so that was kind of like a telltale moment. It's like, well, I guess I guess that's Twitter. I guess Twitter is always going to be this thing. And sure enough, as time goes on, some major major players get blocked permanently from Twitter, right? One is one story that we'll talk very carefully through today is the New York Post, right? And mm-hmm. the, essentially from the story they post on Hunter Biden. One is one of our favorite Canadians. I know, Christopher, this is a touchy subject for you, but they do some things, right? Uh, Dr. Jordan B. Peterson was blocked from Twitter for misgendering um, uh, uh, Elliot Page, formerly known as Ellen Page, right? And then... For me, just Ellen Page. Sure, sure. Because I'm living I don't... in the past over here. <laughs> okay, that's perfect. And then, um, and then, finally, the straw that broke the Elon's back, the Babylon Bee, gets taken off Twitter for in a satirical story, uh, misgendering. I can't even remember this individual's name, Christopher. Um, Help me out. It, it, well, a government official in in President Joe Biden's cabinet. Uh, the, one of the actual the actual confused ones, or one of yeah, the yeah, yeah. Ones? yeah, 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 yeah. I can't remember this person's oh, name. Oh, was it the Health and Human Services person, the giant yeah, one, yeah, the yeah, ogre? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jamie, um, what's his name? I believe that individual won a Woman of the Year award. Woman of the Year award. Rachel Levine. There it is, Rachel Levine. Rachel Levine. And yeah. um, the Babylon Bee satirically. Uh, gave out a Man of the Year award to Rachel Levine. Um, and that's <laughs> okay, what got that's, them kicked That's pretty funny. That's what got them kicked off of Twitter. That is why Elon Musk, well, a actually, lot of people believe... I just want to be clear. That's not mm. satire, because that would actually be factual reporting. <laughs> just to be 100% clear. <laughs> that's fair. Um, so anyway, all of that, many of the other problems that we've seen on the platform is what led Elon Musk to purchase the company, right? Um, and so that's where we find ourselves today. And the thing, Christopher, too, we, we don't have to necessarily spend a whole lot of time here because it's not the purpose of the show. Well, one thing that is important to say is that one of the first people Elon Musk fired was Vijaya Gaddy, 
because of this nonsense. And a lot of the compliance and safety team too, um, because they, they made things, he did not think they were helping Twitter. Also, Elon has essentially gutted the, the company, uh, revealed some really stark things such as uh, the office that was immaculate that no one was in, a closet full of stay woke, hashtag stay woke t-shirts, right? Mm-hmm. Remove yep. tons of people from the company. And then this is the crazy part. He has viciously gone after accounts um, sending out child pornography, which Twitter ignored for years and didn't do any better. So with less employees, he is making the platform more moral, just yeah, undeniably. Uh, uh- well, not just more moral, but but truly more safe. You know, the yes. left likes to talk all the time about how, you know, Twitter, uh, how speech makes things less safe. You know, oh, we can't have a free speech event on our college campus because that might affect the safety of our students because words are, are violence to these invertebrates. Mm-hmm. But child pornography is an actual safety issue. People are actually mm-hmm. having violence and even sexual violence visited upon them. And so for all the the pearl clutching and browbeating that happened on CNN and MSNBC by all of these corporate lapdog subservient bootlicking media types that said that now Twitter wasn't going to be safe anymore. Remember NPR canceled their Twitter usage and then couldn't stay away for more than 24 hours and came back saying we'll continue to observantly monitor the situation uh, yeah. after Trump got reinstated. We'll get into all that. But regardless, that those cretins, by safety meant that they would never have to hear an opinion that challenged their modality or their way of thinking or their identity. On the flip side, there's less demand today in the world for child pornography than there was three weeks ago because Elon Musk with a skeleton crew is doing a better job at eliminating it from Twitter, which is one of the biggest clearinghouses for it. In uh, He's doing a better job than the entire trust and safety team was doing before. Mm. It, it's incredible. So Twitter isn't just a more moral place. Twitter is at to the consternation the eternal consternation of the corporate lapdog media it is by the numbers statistically factually a safer place yeah 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 and you can and you know it's it's one of the best things to see um and also bots and spam are supposedly being removed too at higher rates so i mean the company just look you know who knows what's going to happen in a couple weeks elon's has been pretty uh, candid that you know Twitter needs to shed uh, a lot of its staff in order to remain profitable. It seems that the company is in remain, really bad become. Yeah, the company is in some really bad places financially, which was something everybody knew, right? I mean, uh, Twitter has uh, you know had a lot of eyeballs, but not a lot of money coming through the doors, and everybody is invested in it when it was a public company because of those eyeballs. And just like once they figure out the money thing, this is going to be great. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of work left to do. Who knows if Elon will make it, but rooting for him because the platform has already gotten better since he's been there. I don't know about Twitter blue, but you know, Hey, everyone's got to start somewhere. So it's a, it's look, it's a, it's a hypothesis. It's a test. We'll see how it goes. But exactly. Hunter, let's jump in now with the stage set. Yeah. We've got, so, so in the, in the interim, 
before the purchase, Dorsey left Twitter, just to be clear. Um, yes. He he wasn't shuffled out the door when Elon took over. He quit, well, uh, sometime between that second interview and that, that uh, legislative oversight committee hearing. I can't remember precisely mm-hmm. when. Regardless, mm-hmm. he stepped away from the company and had since just started being critical of the decisions they were making over there. So Elon buys the company, promises that he's going to explain to users what happened about things like January 6th, about shadow banning, about uh, the Hunter Biden story. And and really, you know, he might have just all been doing this as cover because he loves the Babylon Bee so much and wanted to have them back on Twitter. And when you're the world's richest man, you can pay for things like that. So anyhow, Mm. uh, he's a big fan of the Babylon Bee, which I find completely charming. But we're, we were promised the shoe is going to drop, the shoe is going to drop, the shoe is going to drop. And on December 2nd, in the early evening, Matt Taibbi starts tweeting. And the first tweet just says, thread the Twitter files. And what is attached is, like you said, it was the smoking gun that, proved what we all felt what we had all seen what we had all known to be true mm. so let's dig into it the this first installment and by the way there was promise of future installments as well of these internal twitter communiques was the story of political access to twitter's moderation and censorship capabilities, primarily in the context of the the Hunter Biden laptop from hell story and the New York Post, the New York Post's article. So let's dive in. Uh, the first the first few tweets, Matt sets the groundwork for this this tech company run amok that had gone effectively usurpatious allowing these these social this social media platform to be exercised and controlled by a rather small group of politically interested individuals and then we get to his first claim which was that Twitter was honoring requests from government agents, both on the left and the right, although there was a extreme heavy skew to yes. the left for those requests, that certain, certain tweets specifically be eliminated or blacklisted or, you know, reach blocked. And we're not precisely sure what had happened. But the first email that Matt shares is from Saturday, October 24th, 2020 at 5.39 p.m. And this is all the email says. More to review from the Biden team, colon. And then there are five URLs to specific tweets. And it just says, thanks all. And there is a two-word reply back handled these 
So request comes in from the Biden team and Twitter takes action on those requests. Yeah, that's shocking stuff. Yeah, what, what, it's crazy. What was going through your head when you read that, Hunter? You know, Christopher, that, that's the thing is like not that much. Like it's not that shocking. You know what I mean? And I'm not trying to be funny about this, and I'm not trying to take the wind out of your sails or anything like that. I know you don't expect me to, but it's like, duh. Like, duh. You know, like, this is what they've been threatening to do forever, like, through legislation. No doubt they weren't, you know, testing the water, so to speak. I mean, these people know who protects them and who keeps them safe, you know, and they they are working with their friends. You know, uh, I think it was Vijaya Gadi had a seat at some um, security council, right, to talk about trust and safety in the U.S. government. I mean, she's she's not just the compliance safety officer of Twitter. She's the government. Right. You, yeah. you know, it's like it, it, she is both. And it's like, well, that's weird. That probably shouldn't be allowed on a, a platform where people communicate and exercise, exercise their rights as American citizens. You know, Let's it just, just seems strange. So so I want to read one more part, and then I want to do some analysis. So okay. th- there's another email that came out where actually James Woods, his actual handle, Real James Woods, was was included in one of these communiques as as tweets for to be to be reviewed by the uh, safety team, trust and safety team at Twitter from the DNC specifically. So there they are going after a pundit on the other side that they don't like directly. Mm. And the email says, I've handled one of these requests for James Woods request, refer to defer to the, the trust and safety team to mitigate this issue. So it's like, Oh, if it's of a certain size, we've got to send it up the ladder. We've got to escalate, you know, to manage these issues. Um, Mm. And then he goes on to show that the access to these tools were available and used by both Democrats and Republicans. Yeah. However, the scope was not even close. This was a who do you know? Who can you reach out to? Yeah. Market. And these the Twitter employees were enthralled to the Democratic Party. It shows the progression from of funding and contributions by Twitter employees from 2018 to 2022. And in 2018, 96.38% of all contributions went to the Democratic Party. And by 2022, 99.73% went to the Democratic Party. Only $451 was donated by Twitter Twitter and Twitter employees to Republican candidates. $451 versus $185,267 on the other side. So I yes. feel so bad for that guy listening to Carl <laughs> Point at his desk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not going to be so good. <laughs> that's not going to be good by a guy. But in a in a market where it's who do you know and what can we get? Uh yeah. The answer no was doubt. this was this was the democratic tool. Mm, mm-hmm. Did it did it happen primarily for the Republicans? Yeah. Yep, probably four or five times. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> probably not every day, all day, which is what it looks like was happening on the other side of the aisle. Mm. So what is that? 
when you have a platform that is supposed to be neutral, that claims to be neutral, and you open that platform up to influence by politicians and just say, well, yeah, if anybody knows my email address, if anyone knows anybody on the team, if anyone has a personal relationship, you know, everyone's welcome to reach out. But then you spend $185,000 hobnobbing with one side of the aisle. Uh, that's propaganda. Mm. It's propaganda. It's, it, it's being funded by, by Wall Street and people investing in Twitter, but it's just propaganda. Mm. And you've got it, the the worst part about it is it doesn't come in a endorsed this is from the government notebook. It comes or pamphlet. It comes packaged as the honest output of the free speech online social media platform. And it wasn't. It was curated malarkey as one commander in chief might say. <laughs> It's a scandal of the highest order. Mm. I, I I don't think you can over overstate this. It would be bad enough if it was just vanilla propaganda that you know Chavez was putting out. The fact that this this was being this was being relayed as if it was just the natural aggregate output of the American people is horrifying. Yes, that that to me is kind of the strange thing about Twitter is like what. The, the thing we've all known is that what's happening besides behind the scenes of Twitter is being manipulated, right? And at all these right. social media companies, it's not reflecting what people actually want to see, right? Right. Um, and they do that in, in political ways, and they do that in ways that don't benefit you. Like when they replaced your timeline and didn't make it uh, historical or in the order that uh, in, in the order that the tweets appeared, right? And you actually have to like go into your settings and change the way your timeline works. Like they, they, they are obsessed with showing you the information they want you to see. Right. right. That's all these companies. Right. And so what's so terrifying about this is we all knew it, but the Orwellians would not take off, would not remove the kimono and show us what was going on. Right. And it's, it's, it's mainly the main problem. It's like, look, if you want to censor us, fine, censor us, but just tell us why. Just tell us the rules so we can know what they are, right? So we, we can – or leave. Yeah, exactly. And so anyway, but um, no, I think you're doing a good summary. It, it's pretty amazing that the U.S. government was in cahoots with Twitter to get both insignificant and significant uh, – and I mean just by popularity – people removed from the platform. It's, it's wild. Or yeah. uh, their speech throttled essentially. Absolutely, it's it's a it's a complete scandal. Uh, all right, so let's keep rolling. So so after that revolution, you realize, hey, government has access to these tools in a way that we suspected, but had no idea how informal and unregulated and yes, myth mythically deceitful it was. Mm. Then we move in specifically to the. Hunter Biden laptop story, which was a ma massive scandal. Mm -hmm. Based on the best data that we have available, if this story would have been widely shared, it would have changed the outcome of the 2020 election. Period. Yeah. That's the data. 
hey, look, I don't argue with election results. You don't argue with the data. And the the polls show that people, who, if they had been familiar with this story, it would have changed their vote in significant enough numbers that, that Trump would have won the presidency again. So, them's the breaks. So, we transition to that story, and we discuss what I think will be the first of many shocking revelations from these Twitter files. But when you'll, you'll recall, if you can think back to the scandal in your mind, all of a sudden, the news cycle blew up. The New York Post released an expose on Hunter Biden's laptop, which it turns out he had abandoned at a laptop repair store in in uh one of his his coke fueled escapades now hunter i recently saw on fox news an interview with the individual who owned that store yeah he was where he has a lazy eye a severe lazy eye and he was wearing one of those golf caps with the ball on the top of it like a news ah. cap with a puff ball on the top of it yep so I do just want to say, I don't trust that guy. <laughs> okay. okay. But it turns out the laptop was legit. <laughs> 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 but I think I'd be remiss to not mention that the guy I... looks, he's queer than a $3 bill. Okay. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Regardless. Don't you remember when you used to be able to say $2 bill and then they actually made one? It's ridiculous. Just to ruin that idiom. Yeah. Uh, so here's what we find out. We find out that as soon as this story gets posted, Twitter started blocking it. Twitter started banning accounts. And the emails show that it, th- they're specifically talking about why uh, that accounts were getting banned almost immediately, including officials in the government, like Kaylee McEnany's account, who then was the press secretary. So, the story gets published immediately. Twitter goes into action, and what the story tells, without going into it too too minutely, too too discreetly, is that effectively, Twitter banned the account and retroactively decided that they would use their prohibition on the sharing of hacked materials policy to validate the decision that they had already made. That's exactly right. And the communicate that was basically the safety teams, the thing that Vijaya Gaddy oversaw and ran with. However, the comms team and internal communications within Twitter who has to handle the face-to-face communications of all this stuff is going, what in the world are we doing? This doesn't seem to meet any of our policies. If you look at the language of what a hack policy is, this doesn't seem to be, I, I, I don't know how to defend it. I don't know what to say to the public. I'm paraphrasing, but you can go read this all yourselves. That's essentially the gist of it. And even, uh, I forget the Democrat's name at this point, is reaching out and saying the same thing, is saying to Vijaya Gaddi, he's like, don't you think that this goes against the Bill of Rights? And what is Vijaya Gaddi's response? Well, this is Twitter's policy. And he's like, I don't think you understand my concerns. Right? I'm not concerned about what Twitter wants. I'm concerned about the freedom that American citizens possess. Right? right? Twitter's not hearing it. 
Twitter's being asked to do something by the government. As we see throughout here, there's communications with the DNC. There's communications with other Democrats asking them to do this, right? There's already pressure from the CIA and the FBI that there could be Russian disinformation here. Yeah, so let's let's set the stage on that for just a second, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because that's another thing that that we learned we learned a while ago and now we understand the full relevancy and impact of what we had heard so the the uh in the aftermath in the aftermath of this report from the new york post the i remember watching on the news the cia did come out and say this has all the earmarks of potentially russian interference you know, this this Hunter Biden laptop story has all the telltale signs of Russian interference. So they said but they said that after Twitter had said that this violated their hacked materials policy. Mm-hmm. And it was it was very strange. Well, what we learned in the interim was that the the CIA and the intelligence community had actually pre warned Twitter that there might be some bad stories that were afoot about presidential hopeful Joe Biden and that they should be preemptively searching for anything that might be misinformation. Mm. So that's scandalous to begin with, that they would preload Twitter with the playbook that says, uh, just anything that sounds bad against our guy, just go ahead and, and be looking out for that. Then the story comes out, Twitter immediately starts locking accounts down from government officials and from news agencies. And then very conveniently, the CIA comes out and says, oh yeah, this this looks exactly like misinformation. Well, the internal emails that you can go read on Matt Taibbi's Twitter let us know that they had absolutely no indication that this yes. was hacked materials. In fact, you had executives at Twitter from the communications team pointing out that based on the story itself that the New York Post published, there's no way that this could violate the hacked materials policy. So you get into this really situ- weird situation where the CIA is leading Twitter around and telling them what to watch out for and telling them, hey, mm-hmm. there might be bad, there might be stormy seas ahead. I just want to make sure that you're on my team. And then in the aftermath, when Twitter's scrambling for a way to justify this they've done, yeah. literal election bending scandal, the CIA comes out and scratches their back right back and says, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This cut and dry, all, all the evidence points to Russian russian misinformation yeah, it, yeah it's this is this is the swamp when yeah. when trump said let's drain the swamp this is the kind of crap that he was talking about the, mm. the, there's no way as an individual as a normal american citizen to to combat this mm. it takes millions and millions and millions of dollars which is the only reason that we have yeah billions of dollars that's the only reason we have these these emails yeah it's, yeah, it's crazy the, if you are listening and you are not shocked you haven't understood what just happened mm. but effectively here we have we have twitter execs colluding with the cia to subvert the free speech of the american people 
while claiming that free speech was the the guiding force behind their decisions without being transparent without showing people what was really going on and then unbelievably the intelligence community backfilling their excuse yeah yeah it's crazy i mean and here's the other thing if you'll remember you could not private message this story to people right right yeah so if you wanted to just say hey bud have you seen this story twitter wouldn't let you do it on their platform you had to do an ungodly thing and text it to them you had to copy the tweet put it into a text messaging service and text it to text the tweet to your friend and that's what twitter did to us and i'm never going to forgive them no obviously that the 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 the, the ridiculousness of putting that many barriers in front of you to not share information goes against what Jack wanted this platform to be. And here's the thing too, that Matt ties in. He doesn't necessarily give good information. He just says, trust me, I've looked at it. Jack hated this and was actively trying to work against it. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lesson there. You know, you can create the monster you were trying to prevent, you know, keep your eyes open and pay attention and take responsibility, all that. Right. But there's one thing here at the end I really want to just zone in on. Mm-hmm. You know, so the Democrats were doing this. They were getting the story all spilled out. They were getting this out. And they receive a letter essentially from uh, Twitter does from Democratic lawmakers. And they said, look, you guys have a PR nightmare on your hands. And you know what the problem is? You don't police disinformation on your platform enough. What they their argument is, if you censored more, the American people wouldn't think this is such a big deal. Shocking. Absolutely shocking. And so what they're saying is you should be removing what we know now, and everybody has said so, correct information from your platform that makes us look bad, because if you did it more often, people would trust you more. Wild. Absolutely wild. It's it's perverse. So when you go to the ballot box... Remember that there is a party out there who is willing to email the largest quote-unquote, quote-unquote, free speech platform in the world and say, you you are not censorious enough. Mm. You do not stifle the speech of American citizens enough. Mm. And that's what our party stands for. And mm. if you want to get rid of this headache that you've got right now, we need you to go further. We need the American people to say less. Mm. That is the open, now open policy of Democratic lawmakers. Crazy. You Absolutely guys have to say, You have to stand by that. Go read Matt Taibbi's uh, tweets. Well, uh, without getting too long in the tooth. Yeah. Then the whole world broke loose and everybody, we got to see for a brief moment, I think we still might be in the midst of this moment, we get to see who everybody is because mm. yeah, the, the pitiful, obedient, subservient, cuckold journalists that care more about sucking the sweat out of the leather soles of the DNC than telling the truth 
or doing proper journalism came out in droves to attack Matt Taibbi. Mm. Out in droves. And I don't think anybody put them down quite as hard as Glenn Greenwald did. Glenn yeah. Greenwald's Glenn Greenwald's uh, thread that he posted on December 3rd is revelatory uh, and, and resplendent. But, the, but do you see... Look, look at the organism. Watch how it behaves, okay? So you've got the DNC, the Ascendant Party, and operatives in the intelligence community pressuring and warning Twitter that they must become more censorious and also giving them the subtle assurances that if they are censorious, they will defend them legally. They will defend them on the back end so that they won't have to be liable directly for their censorious nature. So you provide cover to me, I'll provide cover to you. I can't censor the American people. You can, and I can't, or you can't violate your policies unless I give you the umbrella under which to do it. So that's the that's the Faustian bargain that they've made. And then you reveal that, and the leukocytes come out to attack the foreign invader. And the the entire corporate media, CNN, MSNBC, comes alive to attack the the pathogen in the system because matt taibbi to them is the sickness he is the the free radical that is going to destroy the tissue of this self-replicating sycophantic disease that we call our government and their propaganda outlet which is the media and their secret police, which are the intelligence communities. Mm. So everybody has to come out and attack Glenn and Greenwald, and they all use the same language. They either talk about how he's doing, quote, PR for the richest man in the world, and Glenn Greenwald brilliantly pointed this out, that, that searching that on Twitter yielded unlimited results from these nobody blue checks from, from you know, Rachel Maldo's butlers, I suppose. <laughs> and then just the fact that they can't read english like they can't understand grammar and context oh like, yeah they, they then it's most amazing. of them well i don't even know it's that they don't understand they they mm. are they were open so there so there's this part where where matt taibbi very clearly says the american government was involved in the censorship of the of the uh he literally shows story. emails showing that happening Right, and then exactly. in, and then in one tweet says, essentially he says about uh, enforcement that summer about possible foreign hacks. There's no evidence that I've seen of any government involvement in the laptop story. What he means is in the any context, foreign government, any foreign government, right? Which was Correct. the FBI's claim. Correct. Was that the a foreign? This looked like it was hacked material from a foreign government. Yes. Well, that's poppycock, to put it politely and old timey. Mm. so so glenn points this out and and shows how they're they're either too ignorant for even a journalism degree which seems impossible or that they are openly trying to obfuscate the message and paint him as incompetent and self-contradictory by effectively gaslighting his his statements and this is one of his tweets. I'm going to read it verbatim. 
you have to either be extremely stupid or extremely dishonest to think Taibi was saying he found no evidence of United States political officials involved. The bold whole point of the story is that Biden officials and Dem politicians pressured Twitter to censor. Taibi said it over and over again. And he goes on to highlight all of the times that he said the United States government was involved. And mm-hmm. it, it is it is absurd. It is absurd how how programmatically and robotically these people come out and lie to start defending the system. Mm. If your bo- if your boyfriend does this to you, break up with him. <laughs> this is this is manipulative. This is insanely manipulative. But it's crazy because it's not uh it's not a small cadre of people. It's the entire corporate media. It's it's absurd. It's absurd to to watch what color these people bleed. Mm. I I want to just point people to this one section of Glenn Greenwald's uh, section here. Maybe we can, uh, you know, if you want, go read it. But you can also go watch uh, Glenn's most, not his most recent show, probably when this airs, but his show around this time. It would be December the second where he goes very in depth on what this whole process that happens here. You can learn a lot from him right there. Here, here's one section that he says that just shows you the difference. I, I think Glenn Greenwald and Matt Taibbi just come from a different type of journalist. You know, uh, Matt really cut his teeth in Russia. That's where he started as a freelance journal- journalist to come to to come and work for the Rolling Stone and then finally get on his own uh, Substack platform. I mean, he, he is a journalist journalist. He, he's done the rough work. Glenn, uh, you remember that Snowden guy? That's mm-hmm. Glenn. He's the guy who broke that. He's the journalist who did that. So he kind of knows journalism, you know, a little bit. He started it. Well, anyway, just listen to this. This is this will tell you the difference between the old old uh, gumshoe journalist, right? That essentially was the guy who was writing papers, you know, back in the day, and these. Uh, BuzzFeed nightmare screechers we have today that can just copy and paste words and can't write anymore, okay? When they unite, speaking of these other journalists who are attacking him and Matt Taibbi, for their melodramatic routine about how sad it is to see our downfall, what they mean is they know we harbor contempt for their hegemonic liberal institutions. We have always regarded CIA, Wall Street, Corporate media was scorn and still do. That's them. It's perfect. It says it all. They, there's no difference. And this is what we see happening in these emails between Twitter. The DNC, Twitter, the CIA, all of them work together and say the same thing. And all of them don't have to talk because they play the same ball and they cover each other's bases. They know what the game is and they know what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Right? It's I, power. I think, that's, I, I think that's the most incredible thing that we see here not only did Mm. we get an in-depth we got an x-ray of this decaying organism that is the the corporate media industrial complex and how they revolve around and inside the united states government to subvert the will of the people Mm. we got to see an incision being made and having the flesh flayed back so that we could peer at their insides but 
also we got to watch how they try and heal themselves and it is so telling they don't understand that they are tipping their hand right now the 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 wound is still open and mm-hmm. they are letting us see in real time how the how the self-preservation takes place mm. and it it's it's absurd and disgusting that's that's the most we all knew that this twitter stuff was happening right we had no idea to what extent yeah yeah yeah. but now we know now we have hard evidence to back up the obvious truths that we saw before it is it's unbelievable and we Mm -hmm. get to see them confirm every element of the files one by one as the corporate media comes out to badger and misinform and misrepresent these these claims which there is no assailing we have the receipts we have billions of dollars in receipts this this is the my favorite part of glenn greenwald's tweet take it do any of these effing posers on the liberal left ever wonder why cia worked with their favorite corporate media employees to sabotage trump and not biden do they Mm. ever ask why corporations and big tech follow commands from media matters and not right-wing groups it's because as devastating as it is to their self-image as brave dissidents and radicals nobody in any power center regards them as threatening they are their servants useful tools for these institutions of power no dem politician or group would be censored by big tech watching little obedient dweebs at nbc cnn and the daily beast claim that matt taibbi is a servant to power is the most brazen case of projection i've ever seen taibbi spent his career and still does exposing wall street and cia's lies they are their corporate or they are their loyal mouthpieces it is that that clear and that that is what we need to take away from this what do you do with this information you take the evidence it doesn't change a whole lot of our arguments it doesn't change a whole lot of our viewpoints but now we have receipts take the receipts and keep the receipts with you yep and exactly right and never ever let anybody gaslight you and tell you that what your own eyes see isn't there. Mm. There is open collusion at the highest level between our intelligence community, our big tech censorious overlords, and primarily the Democratic side of the aisle. By the way, Republicans, here's a little warning for you. If you try this bullcrap, I will have no patience for you. Yeah, exactly. We are not well, we are not going to play this game. We we they, will not play this game. And it it feels good to win, but at what cost? I will yeah, tell you what yeah, I'll tell yeah, you yeah. what this cost is. The the cost of winning by subverting the ability of the American people to communicate openly is is more bodies and more blood than any of us would be comfortable seeing. That's where this leads. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think I don't think that everybody that's involved in this circle has malice in their hearts. They certainly have contempt. But I don't think they're overwrought with malice. I think mm-hmm. that they believe that if only they could subvert the will of the people, then they could truly lead us to the promised land. They're wrong. It's yeah. been tried and it has failed. And mm-hmm. when you look when you look across the the history of censorious authoritarian 
propagandistic governments and government light institutions, the the utopia never materializes. What materializes is a eradication and a subjugation of all of the producers in a society. And then war, famine, murder, death. The most death that we've ever seen on the face of the planet, by the way. Yeah. So, so we will not do this when we take power. We will do our best to ensure the eradication of channels that enable this type of, of, of usurpation when we regain the throne. And we, we should never, never use this as a means to any end. It is unacceptable. Yeah. And here, here's that's such a great point, Christopher. I love it. And I want to just stress for people again, who is the most liberal reporter in the United States? Is it not the person that worked with Edward Snowden to bring out that information? Glenn Greenwald is the man who did that. And he's also the man who is eviscerating the liberal media. Like, think about that. And what is that? That, that tells you the point that you're making here is that there's another principle that you need to follow, right? And the principle is freedom and the truth, right? And that that is the thing that that is, you know, what guides these two reporters and what makes them so deadly. The entire organizations can be coming after them and they can stand on their own two feet, right? And people throw money at them and give them the opportunity to do that because, not because they want to see entertainment, but because they want to see the truth win, yeah. right? And and that's what these people make the mistake of when they when they restrict freedom of speech, when they try to tell people that, hey, we are going to lie to the public so they believe us so we can bring the utopia that will save them. Mm-hmm. What they don't realize is that's actually the long road, right? The If it happens in their lifetime or not, the fastest way to get there is to be honest, right? And the, so the problem, the problem in America right now is not that the left is in ascension. The problem that we have right now in America is that the left doesn't exist. Matt Taibbi, Glenn Greenwald, that used to be the left. Yeah. They, yeah. Conservatism is generally safe. It doesn't, it doesn't want to rock the boat. It doesn't want to make waves. For good or for bad. Oftentimes for very good. More often than not, for very good. But we used to have a left that wasn't afraid to be dangerous. We used to have a left that wasn't afraid to be radical. We used to have a left that wasn't worried about the repercussions that drove us forward when it was necessary for us to move and metabolize or die. And there's been much progress that happened in the relatively short history of this country that I'm extremely proud of. Some of it coming from the left and some of it coming from the right. But the left, as a political ideology, by comparison, has always been more transgressive. They've always been the cutting edge. Not anymore. This left that is in ascension is the safest left that there's ever been. There's no risk at putting pronouns in your bio. There's no risk in having a non-binary comquat for a daughter. There's no risk in any of that. Yeah. They have they have traded out subversive progressivism 
for authoritarianism mm-hmm. and faux utopian wish making. Yeah, I I don't uh, the left. Even if they were good, I would disagree with a lot of what they had to say, yeah. because that's how politics is supposed to work. We don't have a left. That's what this piece tells me. It tells me mm. there's like four actual progressives remaining in the world. Yeah. And the rest are are usurpatious socialist Marxist numbskulls mm. who, who sucker for the security of tyranny because they're no longer brave enough to, to forge a path on their own. Yeah. And so they are no longer it's it's an insipid adversary. It's it's decay, it's rot yeah. and it's death. It, it it we need we need a left like Glenn Greenwald. We need a left like Matt Taibbi. Not this infantilized, sycophantic, anemic left that exists on CNN and NBC and MSNBC and in the Democratic Party. It it's, to that it's point. so disturbing. To that point, don't go to fnxfit.com this week. Oh, last thing we, I've got to say, because there's a reason okay. we went on all that tirade. Go for it, dude. Oh, okay. Uh, Donald Trump is completely <laughs> out. Completely. Wait, uh, do, do you have the, do you have the, uh, the uh, quote for me from China? Can you, can, you, can you help me out with the soundboard real quick? <laughs> I think. But can I, you replace yeah. China with Trump? Just imagine Don't trust China. China. China is asshole. Yeah. Thank you. That's uh, Trump. <laughs> D- Donald Trump, right? I'm sitting here saying we won't use these means to win. We won't, yeah. we won't forego our principles in order to win. Donald Trump came out on Truth Social and said that this, because of this Twitter revelation, it was so big that, that we have to do away with all rules and all standards up to and including the Constitution to rewrite the election. Nope. You're done. Uh, that that's a bridge I won't cross In, until he comes back and says very specifically he was swept up in the heat of passion. He doesn't believe that. And he would never try and usurp the constitution. I'm done with him. And every, cons- hey, by the way, now I can say for certain, if you support that, you're no conservative, no, yes, no conservative yeah. at all. That's Absolutely right. not. It, it, the, the oath of the office of the presidency is that you will serve and protect the constitution of the United States. Mm-hmm. There, you are. It's a non-starter for me now. I, I'm truly, I'm truly in shock that he would say that we would have to usurp the Constitution of the United States so that he can win his precious little election. Uh, maybe yep. losing has made him lo- lose his mind. That's what it's looking like more and more. But nope, absolutely done with him. Absolute yeah. non-starter. You never, ever, 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 ever open that door. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. anybody on the right you play like twitter plays you're dead to yeah. me you play yeah. like you, you say you're gonna mess with the constitution you can take a long walk off a short pier so enjoy your last award donald trump that, that until until you have a full a full recantation of that specific statement you are an absolute non-starter for any political office in the united states as far as i'm concerned and by the way I don't think that there's – I know that there's a lot of people in this lapdog lap submissive left that agree with you on that, mm-hmm. and I hate them too. But yeah. my, my politicians, conservative politicians, don't casually dismiss the Constitution of the United States when it's convenient for them yep. and for their fragile, pathetic egos. Yes, yes, yes. That's – hey, you, you, you put the show on such a good – end there buddy i i'm i'm really proud of you for putting that together i love to hear it it's the truth it's the truth it's wrong on both sides 
And, you know, we have you could go listen to Albert Moeller today on the uh, the briefing where he basically says, you know, that the Constitution is something that authorizes and limits. And without that, we don't have any way for our government structure to to operate within us that we can agree to. And so it yeah. has to be there for that purpose. If you so want something a little bit less well spoken, just go listen to that. <laughs> that's right that's right so uh so here here's the here's the thing you're not going to fnx fit this week you want to go to matt Taibbi's Substack and give him five bucks a month to keep doing this kind of stuff you yeah. want to go to glenn greenwald's Substack and you want to give him five bucks a month so he can keep keep doing the stuff he's doing you want to go watch glenn greenwald's show every night at seven on rumble to see what he's saying to see the information that he's bringing you because this is the left that you want to be involved with you want to go to the monk debates and you want to pay ten dollars this month so that you can watch douglas murray and matt Taibbi absolutely dunk on malcolm gladwell and i can't remember the other lady's name in a in a debate proving to the audience and everyone around them that the mainstream media cannot be trusted. Christopher is Douglas Murray, except he's not British or gay. But if he was, he would be Douglas Murray. If so I that was just tells British, you... I guarantee you I would be gay. <laughs> so that tells you what you're doing. And this is just a this is just another cut. You know Barry Weiss? She left the New York Times. She asked for Elon Musk to come on her podcast this uh Sunday. And hasn't said a word on Twitter about the Twitter files. What does that mean? Maybe you need to go give her five bucks a month or two, or at least subscribe to the Honestly Podcast on podcast services where you can find them. And these... that better be after you subscribe to the Daily Wire, because yeah, <laughs> yes. I, I, I I like these people on the left and all, but uh, yes, team sports is team sports. Okay, don't don't be a traitor. <laughs> you t- filthy turned. Coat. Don't be a traitor. Yeah, well, and, and the, here, here's the message this week. You want good, strong people on the left to follow. Do you want it? Do you want to be in a conversation? Do you not just want to be in a monologue? These are the people that are doing the right fight. They are helping us get the country to be where it needs to be. So be in conversation with them, right? Mm-hmm. Don't don't deny everything else. Go listen. Go rah 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 for DeSantis. Go listen to Ben Shapiro. Go listen to Jordan Peterson too, right? All these people are fighting the good fight. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's uh, it's a reformation of the intellectual dark web because Sam Harris turned out to be a complete cl- clown. Well, um, dude, <laughs> we could talk about that. I, that maybe need to be another podcast one day is just how the 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 effects of the IDW and what it is today. Like, I think yeah. that's a great topic. Actually, The people that lived lived it are some of the most important voices we have in politics. OK, that's right. If you're a journalist and you turn around and you feel a soreness in your rectum area and you turn around and see that a politician has operated you so that their hand extends deep within the colon and now their digits are being used to manipulate your mouth and control literally everything that you say you might you might work for cnn so you probably want to go get that checked out maybe go get that tested say maybe you're a blue check on twitter but you know whatever
Either way. <laughs> What's the difference? <laughs> ah.